Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast for the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Kreil. Today I'm joined by Andy Skinner, Sophie Goodwin and Sean Wallace. We've got plenty of action to discuss. As usual, uh, chiefly among those will be the, the Aberdeen loss at St Mirren 3-2. They were beaten in the end on Sunday. We've also got Ross County's defeat to Motherwell. They're still without a win. Um, but Inverness, of course, that that juggernaut keeps on keeps on rolling. They uh, beat the Queen of the South two one over the weekend. Plus, we'll also discuss Cove, Peterhead, and Elgin. But yes, there is nowhere else we can start this week, um, apart from in Paisley, where Aberdeen went one 0 down against St Mirren, got back to two one. Um, they were winning the game. They were looking looking decent. looking like the likely team to to take victory. But then Teddy Jenks got a second yellow card and. Well, we all know what happened from there. Well, if you don't, they lost 3-2 and the defending for the, the last two goals wasn't uh, wasn't a Hall of Fame stuff. I wouldn't say, Sean, um, can you pinpoint a sort of main issue that Aberdeen had against the Buddies or were there a few issues that led to led to the defeat, obviously? <laughs> the, the red card didn't help, of course. Yeah, the red card certainly didn't help. I mean, I thought Aberdeen were on, on course. They looked in control. 2-1 up with 11 men on the pitch and I, I couldn't see any other outcome than Aberdeen ending this uh, long run without a win but then I mean Teddy Jenks second gel card and it could be no no argument with Willie Collum's decision Jenks put himself in a position where he was walking a tightrope by getting a needless first yellow and when you're playing in the position he was you're always liable to pick up a second booking. And he did. And after that, I mean, Aberdeen have the players on the pitch and the experience that they should be able to cope with going a man down. And they just completely imploded. I mean, they lost two goals in 11 minutes and the manner of the goals were shocking. For me, the main issue is definitely defensively. At points they look solid, but then it just all falls apart. Yeah, and I, I was yeah, it's and it's a it's it's a position of the park when you've got to look solid and have that cohesion for the full ninety minutes, and any mistake gets punished, and that's what's happening. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say there was a the, with Aberdeen obviously conceding early wasn't great, and that was that early softness to concede, you know. To then get it back to two one, you're like, okay, well, the the defensive error of this game has been made, and you know they've recovered from it. I know the equaliser they scored was pretty fortunate. Aberdeen, yeah. I think Christian Ramirez heading it miles from goal, but it just so <laughs> happened to hit Scott Brown and, and go in. But the second the second goal, I was like, well, Ramirez have been waiting for him to get like to break this goal drought he's been on. I know it hasn't been his fault at times; the service hasn't been good enough. But it was a brilliant header the way he peeled off at the corner was it a corner I think it was a corner he peeled off at the corner and sort of you know got to the edge of the six yard box headed it like bullet header in the far corner and you're like oh here we go like bit of positivity here Ramirez the striker he's you know that's I think six goals for the season now and things are things are looking up but yeah as soon as Jenks um, got sent off and I, I don't think I know there were complaints. I saw some fans complaining, but I don't think they can have any complaints about no. Jenks's two bookings. I mean, the second one was as clear a booking as you'll see. He stamped on the boy's ankle. Um, he's coming so late. And the first one was a needless challenge. I mean, like, guy's out of play, basically, and he, he you know, 
goes through him for the yellow card. I think uh, you mentioned the defence there, Sean. Yeah. The, the the one where it stood out most was um, the third goal, the Simmerin winner. I think um, the way that the way that David Bates first of all was sort of, I don't know pushed to the ground or like threw himself to the ground in the challenge from Curtis Main. And then didn't get up quick enough. No. You know, he just sort of, he sort of lumbered back to his feet and he stuck his hand up. So Maine's totally free in the middle of the park. No one closes down the chip ball into the box from Marcus Fraser. Then we know what happened with Joe Lewis. He, he came out completely and missed that because Maine sort of yeah. dummied it in a way or tried to get it and missed it and it goes, goes through him. And into the goal, do you... I know there's been a lot of talk since the game about Joe Lewis potentially losing his place for the game against Celtic or being taken out of the team because he's there's a bit of attention been mistakes of late. Do you expect to see defensive changes for Celtic? Do you expect to see Gary Woods potentially in goals? Yeah. Well, first I'll just mention that uh, the Mirez goal. I mean, mm-hmm. what a beautiful goal it was. Just the way, I couldn't believe the way he's, he was almost like flying through the air and then managed to direct it and almost curl it with his head in the far corner. Stunning goal, and I thought, here we go, three points. But yeah, but it wasn't to be. And yeah, in answer to your question about Joe Lewis, there's been a lot of focus and attention on Lewis. And, and I mean, goalkeeper, it's a probably the loneliest position in the in the game. And I mean, Lewis is making mistakes, but I think. The performance of the defence in this has got to be questioned because he's been left woefully exposed by the defence. I mean, Joe Lewis was left with a 50-50 ball against Curtis Main with the strikers coming in full on him. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Yes, he didn't get the ball, but he should, should never be in a position where Curtis Main has got a free run in on goal. So, I mean, Lewis... A bit of a blunder, but I don't completely blame him for that. And the first goal, it was a bad kick out from Lewis. But I mean, it got to near the halfway mark. Surely someone in that midfield can get the ball, get it under control and get it moving. But not was recycled straight back into the box. And there's no one there to block it. I mean, like David Bates is out of position. He's trying to track back. And he managed to get a touch onto it, which deflected it slightly past Lewis. But for me, I think Lewis, his confidence is probably affected, but I would still start him against Celtic. Do you think, though, that, I mean, the risk that they're now running, or Stephen Glass is now running, is that something happens against Celtic that's like, fair play, he might have a worldly against Celtic, he might get all his confidence back and, you know, prove all the doubters wrong, but he also might make another mistake against Celtic. And at this point, it's like one of those where, you know, to protect him, Glass might decide to take him out for a few games. No, do you not not buy that? No, I don't buy it. I think if you're a 33-year-old keeper, you don't need protected. You're either good enough or you're not. And I think he's good enough to go in against Celtic. Do you give Do you give anyone pass marks against St Mirren? I know we talked about Christian Ramirez. Um, he he probably gets pass marks for me. Yep. Ryan Hedges was was back and lively early on. Seen a few fans agreeing, saying that like we looked a totally different team. They looked a totally different team, I should say. Um, with with Hedges back, Teddy Jenks, I think was he played well, playing reasonably well at points, was he? Yeah, until until he got sent off. Yeah, Teddy Jenks played well. 
uh, until he got sent off. Ryan Hedges, I thought, looked lively. He was drifting across the pitch, getting into dangerous positions, looking to push on and break into the box, which is something that's been missing for so long with Hedges out for the last six games. Uh, Ramirez, fantastic goal. He looked lively. But yeah, again, he had, he had a couple of misses. I mean, there was one shot he skied right over the, the stand out into the, out the street. And those those were forgotten because he, he scored that goal. But yeah, and you've got a keeper who you could have a couple of great saves, but if you make a mistake, that is what you're remembered for. Football's fickle. It is. It's brutal. A brutal, brutal sport. <laughs> But a couple of pass marks, but overall, a fail for Aberdeen yeah. again. So we're, we're. But I think I think it's close. I don't think it's like a, a terminal decline for Aberdeen. I think there are signs there that will click. I mean, they've got people that can score goals. They've got attacking players. I mean, they've got international centre backs there, and two of the most the most exciting young fullbacks in Scotland. So surely it has got to click, but it's got to click sooner rather than later because they can't go into a run of games where they've got Celtic, Rangers, Hearts, Hibs and Dundee undercooked. So if it doesn't click in the next month, then they're in real, real trouble. I think I think the thing that worries me the most isn't the, the forward areas. Um I think there's still goals in the team. I know they've been accused of having a lack of creativity without hedges, but I still think there's goals in the team. What concerns me is probably the fact that every single week we're talking about these defensive mistakes and although we're chopping and changing the defence and, as you said, Bates, Gallagher, huge pedigree. Um, Constantine's obviously out and it's it's become clear how big a um, player Andy Constantine, if we didn't know already, is for Aberdeen. But yeah, it's the, the fact that those those mistakes keep happening, but yeah. Stephen Glass, I know he told you that he still thinks he can make things better. That's a direct quote. Um, I think he his view is that performance levels haven't merited the amount of points that they've got this season so far. But the stats, yeah, um, in the bottom six now, no wins in eight. I think it's their worst run since two thousand and ten. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, two points from fifteen, um, the last fifteen points available. And no clean sheet in eleven games, so yeah, hopefully, can, <laughs> hopefully he can sort it out and sort it out quickly. I, I um, wish you were wrong, but those stats are right. <laughs> I know that it's it's the old cliche, and we 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 talk about this every season um, when we're speaking to our our columnists at the Evening Express and Press and Journal, Duncan Cheater, William Miller, Joe Harper. But when games against Celtic and Rangers roll around, and you're on a a bad run. There's always this hope, isn't there, that like you can you can get a result against Celtic Rangers, and that is your sort of kickstart. That is the that's the thing that you know turns everything round, starts you on a, a good run again. Um, do are we holding out hope for the Dons against Celtic? Obviously, they've got problems of their own. Yeah, it might, it might sound like false optimism and hope, but I genuinely do think Aberdeen can get something from this game. If it was if the next game was against Rangers. I would say no, but Celtic, I mean, Celtic are at their most vulnerable for years. This is their worst league start for more than 20 years. I mean, they haven't won a domestic away game for seven months. Surely, if Celtic are there for the taking, it has got to be now. And Aberdeen, if they click, like I said before, if it just, 
than the can beat Celtic. And then that could potentially be the springboard to get him out of this concerning dip. Yeah. So it's a big relegation six pointer, this one. But they certainly need some jokes. Jokes. Of course. Of course I am <laughs> yeah. joking. It's it's gonna it's gonna be absolutely fascinating because there's so much pressure <clears throat> on both sides. Neither of them can afford to lose this because it just the, the pressure and sort of criticism will just ramp up exponentially. So it's going to be. I don't think I'll have seen such a nervous game as the one on Sunday. It's just who holds our nerve. Just on the, about the defence, I was going to say, I think one of the issues could be how high the two fullbacks are starting just be, to go for this attacking style of football. I mean, I was looking at the the last two games, the starting position of Ramsey has been virtually the halfway line and it's leaving that big gap which the centre-backs have got to cover. And because they're like a new partnership, I don't think they've got the understanding yet where they know who should be where and how to cover that huge space. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, we've, we've discussed Joe Lewis already, um, a goalkeeper going through a tough time at the moment. Um, a goalkeeper who's going through a great time at the moment covering Aberdeen women, Sophie Goodwin. Sophie, it's all uh, it's all going pretty rosily from 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 my perspective. Looking from the outside, looking in, Aberdeen women appear to have taken to SWPL one like a duck to water. Yeah, I think so. I think you know the the draw at the weekend and a clean sheet means they're now three games unbeaten um, out of their four four fixtures. I think it's a great start. I think maybe before the season kicked off that they were maybe written off a wee bit. People were maybe a bit pessimistic about how they would do. It's quite a young side, a side that's had consecutive promotions, you know, only two years ago playing in Championship North, but they've coped really well. They've already surpassed, well, they're now equal to what the bottom side had on points last season. So, and I think they'll get more. I think they've established themselves already. And I think the point at Spartans proved that Spartans are a really good team. They're a team that finished fourth last season behind only the professional teams. So I think, yeah, I think Aberdeen will be delighted with the with the start of the season so far. Yeah, it's, it's early days, and I know the I know the aim for the season was consolidation and you know proving they belonged in the top flight. But they they look well on course to doing that already, which I'm sure is positive. Have, have you reassessed maybe how how high you think the Dons can finish? Um, I know the, the the issue in SWPL one at the moment is obviously the fact that the Dons and Hamilton have played four games, while other teams have played two games. Other play games uh, teams have played three games, but they're sitting third at the moment. They're above Rangers, who've played two games. They're above Hibs, who've played three games. As you said, the, after the draw against Spartans at the weekend, they're above them, but Spartans have still got a game in hand on the Dons. But do you think they do you think they can be in the mix among those sides? Yeah, I think so. I think, like you say, the league table is maybe a bit. You know, you can't really look at it and take much from it just now because teams have played different amount of games and whatever. But yeah, I think so. I, I would not be surprised if Aberdeen finished fourth or fifth at the end of the season. I think that's where they deserve to be so far in the season. Um, you know, this is a really young team. And I think when you look at their performances, they've not always been the best so far. But the fact that they've been able to dig in and get points against teams that they should be, you know, it's good. But they're against Hearts this Sunday. It's another must-win game for them and I think it is a team that they should beat Hearts you know their form's not it's not the best they've not got any points this season but when you look beyond the Hearts game Aberdeen's next fixtures are Rangers Hibs and Glasgow City the three you know three of the best teams in Scotland so I think 
they need to get the three points on Sunday to kind of set themselves up for maybe a, a, a tough run of fixtures. We've we've known for, for the last couple of years that Aberdeen squad is packed with talent and players that have shown it. First in the SWFL Championship North, and then they got promoted and they've obviously shown or continue to shine like said Bailey Hutchison, Francesca Ogilvie obviously signed. Um, she she shone in SWPL two as well. But who's who's been standing out um, and showing that they're you know that top flight standard this season for them so far? I think you know like we said already Gail Gilmore she's only 17 she's a an Aberdeen goalkeeper that's been put in the spotlight for all the right reasons this weekend she made three crucial saves and and quite difficult saves too I, I watched the highlights this morning and it was three shots that she's seen late and it was I was I've been really impressed with her so far because especially the last couple of games you know she's not actually had that much to do but when she's been called upon she's reacted really quickly and I think as well the young players Eva Thompson and Jess Broderick Again, against Spartans, chances were few and far between, like they've been in kind of all the matches so far. But they're the ones who've kind of been integral going between, you know, Jess is a defender, Eva Thompson plays further up the pitch, but they've both been integral in creating opportunities for the Don. So I think, you know, Emma Hunter and Gavin must be must be delighted with the performance of those three really young players. Okay, well, hopefully they can keep up. Anyway, we shall move on. We'll move to Ross County, um, their loss to Motherwell next up okay Andy uh, this one this one was an interesting one I thought Ross County obviously they're still without a win in the Premiership every week we're, we're hearing that it's it's closer and closer um, but yeah as I said they lost this one 2-1 uh, we were discussing before we, we started recording that the first Motherwell goal was I think I've described it in my notes as an absolute banger. But uh, beforehand, I think we, we, we said that County had a few chances to clear. I think Harry Payton lost the ball out in the left, but there's no there's no taking away from the finish. But then, you know, County get back into it. Uh, they score a rather fortunate goal of their own to equalise, I would say, Regan Charles Cook. And then, I mean, they were, they were well in it. I, I feel they could have won this one uh, based on what I've seen of it. But the goal they concede to lose it is just... It's kind of diabolical, yeah. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it, it definitely goes down as a missed opportunity just on the the balance of play in the you know throughout the match, and um, particularly when you uh, note the fact that they they went behind to Motherwell after just two minutes. Um, really well taken goal by Callum Slattery, um, just to carve out the shot and then send it uh, past Ashley Maynard Brewer from the the edge of the box, but. Yeah, as you say, there were about three opportunities to to clear it. Um, three instances where Motherwell player was, uh, you know, just wanting it that bit more than the, the their Staggy's opponent. So, you know, at that point, Motherwell looked full of confidence. Their recent form backed that up, and you kind of feared for what may lie in store for for the Staggies. But as the first half went on, they started to create more and more chances. Blair Spittle had. A number of uh, opportunities which were either saved or um, off target, but yeah, big slice of luck for the for the goal that they scored. Uh, Regan Charles Cook, who had played really well throughout the first half, he's had a, a number of good performances recently. Um, just whipped in a, a, a cross which um, you know was aimed for Jordan White. Uh, White got no touch on it, but the ball, the bounce of the ball, managed to to deceive Liam Kelly. So. I mean, as much as uh, it was a fortunate one, 
I think it was a, a slice of luck that County's first half performance and and the increasing kind of attacking threat that they had showed to that point, you know, it, it, it was a merited uh, equaliser at that point. I praise you, Andy, for getting whipped and slice <laughs> into your uh, your assessment of Charles Cook's goal. Of course, you tweeted me on Saturday or included me in your, your tweet updates uh, because Charles Cook, as we discussed previously on this podcast, he uh, he revisited the, the his signature celebration, which um, <laughs> if you've not heard about it before, is him pretending to hold a bowl and whisk or mix something in the yep. bowl because his name is, of course, Regan Charles Cook. So he is doing a <laughs> Something that a cook would do. Um, it's all very, it's all very <laughs> clever. But yes, the the the, win, the winner though. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't particularly. No one was particularly tight to Tony Watt. Would no, be safe to say. No, it was a ball over the top uh, from defence. I mean, it was Ricky Lamy that played it forward. Um, I mean, Jack Burrows was probably the the closest player, but just wasn't um, wasn't wide enough. Um, Tony Tony Watt had made a you know a darting run from from the you know the outside right channel and. Um, you know, it was one that uh, the, the Motherwell defence was able to to spot. Um, yeah, he had, he had a lot of time to to take his shot on, and he made a really good job of finishing it. Um, you know, beating Ashley Maynard Brewer at his near post. But at that point, you know, it it, it was really frustrating because County had kicked on in the second half, um, looked more likely. I know Tony Watt hit the crossbar. That was in the the really early stages of the second half, but. I mean, County had to replace Charles Cook at halftime. He had a hamstring injury. Um, and, and Joseph Hungbo came on. He's not had too many opportunities. I think that was just his third substitute outing. But if anything, you know, he actually caused even more problems. Um, looked really uh, threatening and, and dangerous. County were brave on the ball. They counter-attacked really well. Uh, just some really nice fluent attacking play. And yeah, Malky Mackay described it as you know the best performance that County have had so far. Which yeah, you can you can certainly see where he was coming from. Um, but you know, the, I suppose this uh, trend of playing well but not picking up points is um, or, or not picking up as many points as they would like. I know they, they had a couple of draws previously, but um, the fact that they still haven't won a game, you know, there there is only so much longer that you can. You can continually point to to the way that you've played and, and how unlucky you've been, um, but I would I would suggest that you know if they're able to maintain that level of performance, um, then you know the points should come you know sooner rather than later. Uh, it's just you know how much does that deflation at not you know having won a game in seven now? Yeah. How how much will that affect their their performances from from this point point onwards? Yeah, I know. As a as a great man said, points make prizes. Um, but I think we we've talked you know we've talked a bit about this the early run that County had and how it was a pretty challenging one they they probably performed decently well points wise out of those those early fixtures they had and that they're now in this phase starting with the Motherwell game at the weekend where you know there's there's a bit more opportunity for them um, at least on paper to pick up points but I think Motherwell was maybe a bit of a false one as well like Motherwell have started the season pretty well but this weekend's one Dundee United I mean. That is a game that, like, if County are going to climb the table and you know they're going to they're going to reach this goal of not being a team that's battling relegation every season, then teams um, like Dundee United or how Dundee United performing at the moment that that's that's a game that they should be looking at as a 
a game where they should be taking or trying to take three points, I would say. Because at the moment, yeah, they're like but level with Dundee on points at the bottom of the Premiership. So, you know, they're still, as things stand, you know, unless thing, they start picking up those points, you know, going to be going to be in a bit of a battle this season going forward yeah things change yeah I mean Dundee United have you know similarly to Motherwell started really well I mean we saw Dundee United in the opening day at Pataudry. Um they put in a, a pretty woeful performance that day but ever since then they've they've kicked on and now sit pretty handsomely well above the Dons so um, I think that just underlines how ruthless a league this is now you know you've got a United side that that are uh, fresh from picking up a, a point at Parkhead, and you know they'll be looking to now back that up with a, a win against County, um, and you know County just have to to be able to deal with that. You know the the game against Motherwell was was one again against a, a side that had been on form, but you, you know when you look at how well they played, and you know Graham Alexander came out after the game and admitted that you know his side had been nowhere near the their recent levels. Um, you know, it shows that there is no reason why County can't go to these places and and produce victories. But um, it's just that uh, that winning formula that's el- eluded them so far. Uh, big run of games though, because it's it's United away, um, followed by another couple of home fixtures um, against St Mirren and, and Livingston. I think so. You know, you you do sense that they really are coming into that crunch period now, and you know that winning, uh, sorry, the winless run will only continue to be talked about the, the longer it goes on so um, they they just need to try and break that as uh, as quickly as they can um, the, the, a team that does have the winning formula or um, you know they've won most of their games in the championship this season Inverness battling showing to beat Queen of the South for me to, I think they went a goal down in this one didn't Andy? No no, they they took the lead in the, in the yeah, first and then it was 1-1 and yeah, then yeah. Michael Garden comes back with a winner um, but I think when you see when you see Inverness recovering from adversity like this, just like there'd been a bit of adversity against Dunfermline um, away from home in the previous game, you kind of like it makes me think anyway that they've got a bit of steel about them. They can cope with setbacks, and that it's starting to look to me anyway like they are the real deal. It's not just like a sort of flash in the pan at the start of the season. Like Inverness are going to be in this this championship title hunt. Would you agree? Yeah, because um, with the more games that they're winning. You know, they're not only are they still top of the league, but you know they're they're extending that gap um, above some of the the other teams that you know you'd have in mind as being contenders at the start of the season. I think that's now an eleven point gap between them and the team that's sitting just outside of the playoffs. So, you know, when you think of how much of an early head start that gives them, they I mean they they've only started a a season as well as this once in the past I think that was back in the late 90s when they were in the second division so you know you consider how many good seasons they've had in the past um, but you know had to sometimes recover from from a poor start and doing that it's it's really encouraging and on this occasion it was a huge opportunity for them because they knew although they were knocked off top spot on Friday night by the the nil-nil draw between Arbroath and Kilmarnock um, you know this game if they won it gave them the chance to restore the three-point advantage at the top that they had prior to the Dunfermline game um, and yeah, the way the game went you know, it seemed as if um, after taking the lead through a, a really good Sean Welsh free kick um, it was one that was well within their grasp to go and finish off. I think they, they had a number of chances that were 
pretty dominant throughout. But you know, I think Queens, as the game went on, were always going to come back at them to try and get something out of it. And it was a really good goal by um, the lad Connolly, who sort of cut in from the left and swerved it into the, the top corner. At that point, from what I've been told, the game really could have gone either way. Um, you maybe would have even backed Queens um, to to go and uh, and win it from there, given you know the confidence they'd have taken from that goal. I've I've also heard people say that uh, you know it's a game that Inverness would have lost in the past from that position. So you know to have the mental strength to to go in and and take the three points uh, speaks volumes for for what Billy Dodds has kind of instilled there. Um, it was a really good goal from Michael Gardine to win it. And uh, I think he just has that, that quality that can be decisive in tight matches like this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's just a, a massive key asset for them to, to have in his first game back since uh, a three week layoff through injury. It was basically, I don't know if he scored in his last two games, but he obviously he scored um, earlier in the season uh, and he's, he's scored at the weekend. That's two goals in the championship already for Michael Gardine. who's obviously got, Decent championship pedigree from the past. He was obviously an integral part when Ross County came back up in the Premiership. The last couple of seasons, I think he hasn't scored. He didn't score that many goals for County. I know he scored a couple towards the the end of last season. I think we probably both saw him score when I'm saying that. Um, but over the over the piece, he didn't he didn't get that many. Do you think Do you think Michael Gardens like one of these players that's potentially at this point in his career? He's his quality. Um, he's he's kind of on the cusp of being like a sort of between a championship and premiership player, he seems to thrive in the championship, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it was a frustrating season for him on on the balance of it, I would say. He um, he didn't get much game time initially under John Hughes. I remember doing an interview with him, must have been around about February time, when he was cutting a really frustrated figure that was really noticeable from speaking to him. I think he, he had just started that game, but um, he, he played really well might have been against Motherwell um, at uh, at Dingwall. But, you know, it was clear that he felt he had, um, you know, an awful lot more to, to offer than than he was being given the opportunity to do. Um, and County lacked a bit of consistency in some of those attacking positions. And I think there were times when he, he wasn't even being looked to as a as an impact substitute um, in, in certain games. So that, that frustration was evident. Um, he did get a run of games at the end of the season, and he was, you know, a hugely pivotal player. And uh, and then staying up, I think he scored down at Kilmarnock in a, a, a game that County drew, um, and, and he, he scored uh, might have been against uh, Dundee United uh, towards the, the end of the season as well. Just um, you know, really central uh, Motherwell sorry it was Motherwell on the last day he got the yeah it was the last day yeah. um, sorry and, I was at I was at the Kilmarnock game and I yeah. thought you were at the Dundee United game no the Motherwell game sorry. I was I was yes and I can't even remember it now <laughs> um, no no he got the he got the winning goal which which ultimately ensured that they stayed up so you know he finished the season feeling as if he'd made the impact that that merited a new deal at County he was one of several players that that didn't get the opportunity to stay on in the Premiership and I think his pre-existing relationship with Billy Dodds from their county days was a huge factor in him going to Inverness because um, he, he played some wonderful stuff around about that period when Jim McIntyre was in charge, scored in the, the League Cup final. So there was a, a you know a pre-built trust there, which um, 
I think has helped him to to refocus and I come up come out all all firing really with a I wouldn't say much a of a point to prove. I think he he has proven over his career that he um you know he's very capable, but maybe just uh, that that real drive that uh, that fire in his belly to uh, to go and get Inverness promoted. Um, yeah. Um, it looks it looks like the um, the run will hopefully continue this weekend. Um, they're away to Hamilton, and based on how Hamilton have performed since they've dropped down from the Premiership, things aren't going well. It'd be safe to say they've come down with a bump. So yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully Inverness can can keep it up. Uh, next up, though, we will move on to a quick section about our lower league teams, Cove, Peterhead, and Elgin. Okay. In the absence of our Coven Peterhead specialist, Jamie, it falls to me to report on the Coven Peterhead news this week. Cove, they've got a creditable uh, 1-0 win against Airdrionians, full-time side. Cove, of course, a part-time side. And that means Cove are now unbeaten in four in League One. Uh, they've won their last two as well. And they take on Alloa away this weekend. That's another potential challenger for them to um, ideally put to the sword. Um, it sounded, to be fair, that like the Airdrie game was a bit of a nip-tuck affair. Uh, I think Morgan Neal's finish in the set piece was the difference. Paul Hartley, I think, hopes that uh, more goals can be scored by Cove from set-piece deliveries uh, to help them achieve their aims this season. But, of course, it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a nip-tuck affair. It's a win that counts. Football's a business of results. Um, Peter Head, meanwhile, they lost 3-2 to um, Queen's Park, one of the other League One contenders. I don't think anyone was particularly happy with the first half performance. The quotes um, pretty interesting. Derek Lyle, who came on in the second half and scored, he said that um, there were errors all over the place from Peterhead in the first half, and it was the worst he'd seen from them. That Jim McAnally was embarrassed. I think Jim McAnally was actually wasn't on the touchline for this one due to um, being suspended. But um, I think everyone should feel the same with Derek Lyle's uh, opinion. Davy Nichols, as well, the assistant manager, he said it's ten years at the club, but he'd never been as embarrassed as much by a performance as their, their one in the first half against Queen's Park and that Brett Long, the goalkeeper, saved them from being a, a few goals down. They were actually only 1-0 down at half time despite the embarrassment of the performance. Um and they actually then led after Hamish Ritchie equalised in Lyle's goal in fifty four minutes. However, they conceded twice late on to lose. So Peterhead that's them in eleventh place in League One. They play second place Dumbarton on Saturday, so that looks like another tough one. Andy down in League 2, Elgin beat Stenhouse Muir 2-1 away from home. Last week we said that Stenhouse Muir were a team that, when you look at the table, Elgin need to be beaten. If Elgin want to be a a playoff side, a potential title challenger, although that might be gone this early, um, based on how Kelly Hearts have started. But yeah, they got the win, the win they needed, and they need to just keep that up. Yeah, yeah very much so. Um, I mean... <clears throat> I spoke to the assistant manager Stephen Mackay on on Friday, building into this one, and you know nothing that he said was any different really from from our discussion on the, the podcast last week. Um, Elgin really knew the the magnitude of this one, um, given the consequences of of losing it, because you know he Elgin were really mindful of the fact that you know Stenhouse Muir were bottom of the table, but you know only a point behind Elgin, and so to lose. In, in a, an encounter like this one would would be really demoralising, um, but you know it gave them the opportunity um, by the the same token to 
to go and push themselves up a, a few places in the table and that victory's pushed them up to, to sixth now. Um, there is a wee bit of a gap behind Edinburgh City who are in fifth. I think they're four points behind them. So I think that underlines just how key it is for Elgin to, to back that up with uh, you know another couple of results. It's a, it's a difficult game for them this weekend at home to second place Sterling Albion. But um, no, Elgin showed a, a lot of character to come out on top in the trip to Oakleview. Quite similar pattern to the, the Inverness game, actually, because they, they took the lead early on through a Darrell McCarty header. They uh, they had that cancelled out at a really key point in the game with about 20 minutes to go. Again, similar to what we discussed earlier, there was you know every likelihood that given you know how fragile Elgin's confidence had maybe been going into the game, you know Stenhouse Muir at that point could have had the the impetus to go and win that, but. Russell Dingwall uh, was played in by Brian Cameron for a uh, a really nice winning goal. Kind of not 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 long after the the scores were levelled, so a big a big uh, psychological boost to to win that one. And uh, they'll hope that that is now the the springboard for a bit more consistency. Yeah, and beat beat Sterling. You know that's a that would be a big result, and it'd be two in a row. It'd be a huge confidence booster. So. Let's see what they can achieve this weekend. Um, Highland League, of course, we only briefly mentioned that now, but the big talking point was, of course, Inverurie beating Brora Rangers 2-1 at Harlow Park via what I understand was a pretty spectacular volley that crashed in off the post. That one ended in a bit of a stramash. If you'd like some more Highland League chat, you can watch Highland League Weekly, our uh, special web show for our subscribers on the Press and Journal website. Um, for... More Aberdeen news, Highland League news. You can also sign up to our, our Press and Journal newsletters on those topics. Um, I'll put the link for those in the description for this episode. Um, thanks to Andy, Sophie and Sean for joining me for this episode of Northern Goal. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Cheers, Ryan. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk with any questions or queries. And finally, enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this week. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.